0: Lamping here, PHRA's Executive Director. Welcome to PHRA's podcast, P4, People, Purpose, Passion, Pittsburgh. P4 is brought to you by our members and sponsors, Lattice and the University of Pittsburgh, Executive MBA Programs, and the Center for Executive Education. We appreciate their support, and we'll hear from them throughout the podcast, beginning with the University of Pittsburgh, Executive MBA Programs, and Center for Executive Education.
1: Especially in times of uncertainty and challenge, America needs exceptional leaders to guide our healthcare institutions. The highly ranked Executive MBA in Healthcare at the Joseph M. Katz Graduate School of Business at the University of Pittsburgh is designed to empower and enable leaders to think critically, make informed decisions, and inspire confidence. Forge your path into healthcare innovation by visiting business.pitt.edu slash EMBA Healthcare.
0: Welcome to the special conference edition of P4. In this episode, PTRAM, P4 host, and Dr. Victoria Mattingly and Sir Therese Grice, PHRA's featured keynotes, will discuss how to create lasting inclusive behaviors and the value in ally partnerships.
1: Welcome back to the P4 podcast. We're excited to dig into two of our speakers for the upcoming summit this year. Uh, Sir Treese and Victoria, thank you so much for joining us. We're excited to learn more about your background and what this DEI space is, how can we take action here, and what are some of the best practices? So before we dig into all those pieces, Vic, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got to where you are today, and then we'll go right over to Sir Treese.
0: Absolutely.
2: Thanks for having us. I'm Dr. Victoria Mattingly. If you can call me Dr. V or Victoria, just don't call me Vicky. Uh, I'm a proud Pittsburgh boomerang. So I was born and raised here in Pittsburgh, went to Woodland Hills, went to Pitt. I was gone for about 10 years and came back with my PhD in organizational psychology and a huge passion for improving the human experience at work, especially when it comes to fostering workplace inclusion. I founded Mattingly. Solutions in August of 2019. Couldn't have imagined uh, that I would be building and running a business through a global pandemic, but here we are. And a major game changer, and I even say I don't think Mattingly Solutions would be in existence today if my amazing business partner, Sir Therese Grice, didn't join me when she did, so I'm going to pass the mic over to her.
3: Thanks, Victoria. So I am not a proud Pittsburgh native, but I have found a new love for it ever since joining Mattingly. I come up there every few months, um, so it's my second home now. Uh, But I live down in Raleigh in North Carolina, and my background is also in industrial organizational psychology. Um, And yeah, joining Mattingly has been amazing. I never pictured owning a business at this stage in my career or writing a book but thanks to Victoria, here I am, and it's been a good time.
1: Thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, You both mentioned industrial organizational psychology, IO Psych, before we get into the DEI space, can you both just give like a one sentence overview of what is IO Psych and how has it changed over the last couple of uh, years?
3: Yeah, so I'll I'll take that one real quick. Um, uh, Industrial organizational psychology, if you just boil it down, it's the science of human behavior in the workplace. Um recent update, which is really exciting, is that it's officially a STEM field. So that's really, we love that because people think, oh, psychology and its feelings, but no, there are ways you can quantify this work and we are science. So um, yeah, I think that's pretty great. But over time, it started actually just a quick history lesson. It started really focused on big task and breaking jobs down into what are you doing through each moment and it was very technical in that regard and it's really grown and expanded over the years and um to include that organizational side so what are you doing with your people and looking at the people side of things too and connecting that to data so that's my history lesson for you today
1: (laughs) thanks Sir Trace. so you just talked about how can we improve the people experience at work and it's kind of like so that's what io psych is and v what did you say earlier my, for, my focus for this company that I started in August of 2019 is improving the human experience at work. So it's almost like you went to school for this thing that you're now doing and it all lines up. Okay, cool. Um, this concept of DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion has become increasingly important and very prominent in all aspects of life, I'd say, specifically in the workplace. So can you talk to us a little bit about what is DEI and what are some things that, you know, we can do if we just want to start? We're not doing anything today. Where can we begin?
2: So we're we were really surprised starting out with working with clients and just really um, trying to you know, redefine this space of workplace inclusion and take that more scientific approach. And we were surprised to see there was such a lack of consistency among how these variables are described. Uh, a lot of times DEI just could, could jumbled together, it used to be D and I, sometimes people throw in A's for accessibility or allyship, uh, we have belonging in there. And so Uh, To simplify, we like to say that diversity is how we see each other, right? And that could be whether physically seeing things or how we perceive each other, right? But diversity is how we see each other. Inclusion is how we treat each other based on what we know about others, right? And then equity is what we do to elevate those who've been historically left behind, marginalized, those vulnerable populations to get to a place of equality. Equity is the lever towards equality, right? It's not one and the same. If we give everyone everything the same, we're still gonna just be, you know, preserving those inequities, pre- preserving those differences. That's why we have women in leadership programs or employee resource groups that, you know, really try to focus on one particular identity group like, um, you know, African Americans or Black population the Latino, Latinx population. So uh, that's the definitions, but I'll kick it over to some trees to talk about, you know, how we advise organizations to start on their DEI journey.
3: Yeah, so when starting this work, people tend to get really excited and they want to do all the things, right? You see everyone else doing things and there are some things that are really popular, hot topics. So you want to dive in heat first, but it's important to take a step back and just determine why you're interested in it, right? What does diversity, equity, and inclusion mean to you as an organization? And again, we said we're researchers, right? So figuring out what is your research question? What do you want to address? Uh, And once you start out and you determine that why for yourself, then the next big piece to that starting point is to collect some data. It's to take a really focused approach. Again, the data is going to help you figure out what is going to have the most impact in your organization before you just try and start things so that that would be my recommendation is figure out why it matters to you and then figure out what data can help you get to where you want to be um, and di- dive in with some data collection.
1: So that sounds like it could be super super helpful, but it might take a long time to accomplish something like this. we talked about starting with why. Uh, I think every single podcast we've done uh, with PHRA comes back to that at some point. So it's kind of important, right? Shout out to Simon Sinek for that one. Uh, In collecting the data, right? Let's make fact-based decisions, especially in something that can be as fragile and controversial as this, right? There's so many different aspects of this, um, and it's not one size fits all, right? So I hear that coming through with what you're saying, you know, these are trees. How long does it take? for us to have some of these initial conversations, to gather some of this initial data? Are we talking like hours, days, weeks, months, years? What are these low, low-hanging fruits, and how long does it take to just get started?
2: So the good news is a lot of organizations are already collecting data. It's just a matter of looking at it through a DEI lens. And so think about engagement survey or any sort of culture survey that an organization might already be doing. Uh, side note, if you're not, hosting your employees and asking them about their experience and engagement, that's a good place to start. Uh, Definitely do that. Uh, But when you have data like that, that employee feedback data, simply being able to slice it by gender, by race, ethnicity, by any sort of uh, identity levels um, to see what might be some differences in those data, right? So we we get that we have this type of engagement across our organization, but how does that score fluctuate depending on the identity group to these various populations belong uh, in in our organization? Uh, Of course, that's bigger organizations, right? I know there's probably smaller organizations out there listening. And I think when we hear data, we think we need to do all the fancy things like have the survey and have all the analyses and collect all the data from scratch and uh, make it really quantifiable and all that's great, you know, we do recommend that eventually but just getting started talking to your employees, right? If you're a super small company, having one-on-one conversations, just asking people, you know, how they feel or they don't feel like they belong and, and asking what what others can do to make them feel more valued, respected, seen, and heard, right? And, and framing the conversation in a positive way. You know, I, I would prefer that second question I just said over the first one, right? Because it's really getting at what can we be doing even better rather than what are all the things we're doing wrong? And believe me, if you frame it around what could be doing better, you're still going to hear the things that are getting wrong, right? And then you can co-create some strategies and solutions for improving it moving forward. And so it doesn't have to be this very overwhelming process, although uh, we got you covered if you do want to get more complicated and nuanced with your data collection strategy. But uh, I'll let Sir chime in too if you have anything to add.
3: Yeah, I want to add just one thing in addition to that. So you talked to Pete about the low hanging fruit, right? So the data collection, even if you do simple just means or conversations, that could still take some time, right? Of um getting, figuring out the people and pulling together a plan and scheduling is a mess, right? But something that can happen relatively quickly is you have this initial meeting with, you know, whoever, whether it's your leadership or whoever's overseeing DEI, and you determine your why, right? We talked about that why. And you turn that um, into your vision, right? And then you turn that into a plan. You can get that all done within a couple of meetings. Communicate that out. That is the easiest piece of low-hanging fruit that I can recommend to people who are starting is to, once you have that why, just formalize it in a way that you can communicate it out with your employees and then share it, but attaching it to a plan. So that part is key, right? Um, Is not just saying, okay, we're doing this thing or like, here's our vision statement for DEI. And that's where people get worried about performative actions and you're just saying things, but it is simple enough to come up with here are our priorities, and here's what we're going to be doing over the next few months to get there. You can knock that out within a couple of weeks, depending on you know sitting down for those meetings, and that sets you up for success, and it gives you a little bit more grace in how much time the data collection will take. And then um, one other small win there is just throughout the data collection process, sharing little updates. You don't have to wait until it's all complete and shiny to say something. Taking your employees along that journey will help them know that things are moving along.
2: And just a quick add to that. All right, so
1: clarify for for me right here. So so we're going to determine our why, and then we're going to collect some of this data while in parallel, we're developing our vision, formalizing this to communicate out with the team of of a plan. So it's kind of like why, our vision, our plan, data collection, and then...
3: And then we act, right? Because then you have your, your data tied to your plan. Now you can actually do the plan. Um, and the plan may be some more data collection, right? So that's why it is so important to have that strategy and plan because it's telling you where to go.
1: Can you talk to some organizations that are really, really good at this and that uh, might be you know, somebody that we could you know, research and we could look at or any other kind of uh, superstar entities uh, in this space that like they got this right and they're still iterating, right? It's never a done process. But who's, who's, you know, headed in the right direction here, Sir Trace?
3: Yeah, so um, one organization, maybe a little bias, um, that, I, that I know of doing some really great work in this space would be Dick Sporting Goods. Uh, they've put in a lot of work into having a really robust plan. And not, not just that, but I think more importantly to me is they have the structure internally to back it up so that's something that people get held up on when trying to do this work is they're like oh we'll just put it on some volunteers and a council or we'll put it on top of HR's plate but HR has so many other things going on it doesn't get prioritized and this stuff doesn't happen and so DSG one of their biggest strengths is they have their IND or DEI function and then from there they also have their their teammate resource groups they have their um, actually they have like five different categories check out their website it's public it's really awesome um you can look there and see everything they have going on and the things they do and share publicly as well um i I think they're a great example but victoria you want to add another example
2: yeah i just have to plus one the importance of having that structure and the sustainability piece i mean companies that Um, have that function and have that in place that even if people rotate in and out, there's always a, that, that, Foundation to go back to um, on year over year, depending on your data, and who's responsible for actually doing the work. Um, another example—it's not a company as much as a coalition—but we've done some really great work um, with a, a group called Baltimore Tracks uh, down in the Baltimore area, and so. Uh, even though the city of Baltimore is about 70% black, uh, the startup scene looks very, very different, right? We do not have the representation down in Baltimore. And that's, that's true for the startup and tech world, you know, across the country and nation as well. So, um, but what they are doing is Baltimore Tracks is a coalition bringing together all of these startups in Baltimore who are passionate and committed to changing that stat, changing the diversity of their space in, in the startup Baltimore scene. Uh, and so, whereas Dick Sporting Goods, you know, which shout out to Pittsburgh, their HQ here in Pittsburgh, uh, but whereas Dick Sporting Goods is so far, far along on their DEI journey, uh, this is a great example of what companies can be doing to get started, right? So, coming together across industry, making trying to make industry wide change, in this case, local and Baltimore more uh, you know bringing us in as experts to help them help guide them on what data they can be reporting especially uh, when it comes to those smaller population sizes that startups are often facing so collecting a little bit of data doing those focus groups and then how do you report that data and then most importantly use that data to then do some sort of action, make some change. So whenever you recollect the data next year, you can see that difference in free posts. You know, we always talk about Moving the needle in this space. And so I think Baltimore tracks is a really great example of defining what scale that needle is even moving on best practices and once again that sustainability piece that, you know, they can now go and replicate this process year over year. So I think they're a great example of what it could look like at the beginning of the journey and how to embed that data driven approach from the very onset.
1: I love it. And it's interesting to see all these different circles coming together, right? DSG in the Pittsburgh area. And I don't know if I ever told you this. We went through an accelerator uh, in the Baltimore area and have been growing with Jeff Cherry, uh, with Jamie McDonald, Corey Bailey, Joe McClinsky, and some of the other rock stars in the Baltimore area who are really, really uh, focused on leveling this playing field to bring the right people to the conversations. And how cool is it if we can start small, start early, so that you're proactive rather than reactive? Because what happens with startups small companies they grow and eventually they become larger companies so if we can put the right practices in place early on we're setting everybody else up for success uh i absolutely love it you talked about ergs employee resource groups employee benefits resource groups you know what what does that mean to you and what are your thoughts on it can that be a a tool for good
3: Yeah, so employee resource groups, business resource groups, whatever, like I said, they call them teammate resource groups because they're teammates, Um, whatever you choose to call them, they like a lot of things in the DEI space, they can be useful if done well, right? Um, So to another history lesson for you, Um, when they first started, they tended to be more focused on like a social atmosphere and it was bringing people together um, based on an identity group and um, their employee led groups, right? And in the beginning it was very social. So they would just go and spend time together and it was building community. Now that part is still really important, but over time, the businesses but more importantly the groups realize the power that they could have if utilized well so if you give employee resource groups access to data right if you give them resources so you give them um, funding then they can be a really large benefit to not again not only the organization but to that community because they are one of the best resources to go to and find out what does that identity group need in your organization? They can give you insight into, you know, if you're doing a marketing campaign and you have some ideas and you're like, we wanna do it right, we wanna do it justice, getting some insight from your actual employees, um, really leaning on having issues with recruitment selection and you wanna know, right, how to do better, ask people from those identity groups and who already exist in your organization. But the key there, like I said, They need access to data, because if you're gonna ask them for their input, they need to know, well, what's going on now? Why are we trying to improve this? Where are we trying to go to? And they also need that funding, because if we're gonna ask them at that point to be doing this work, It no longer can be employee led volunteer position, it needs to be a position where they're being compensated for their time, whether that's an actual you know addition to their pay or if they have devoted hours pulled from their other work that they can designate to this work. Um, And then just in general they do programming and different things so there's some other funding that may be needed as well so those are that's my big thing with employee resource groups is they definitely have the benefit of that community piece. And that's so important building community for people who are like them in that organization and also a resource to allies, but they can also benefit that identity group to another level on an equity level and they can benefit the organization as long as they're given access to data and funding. Sorry, I'm passionate about that one. You didn't know what you were opening up when you said that ERGs are my babies.
1: I I, I know I was talking to uh, Christy Uppelman about this. Actually, earlier today, there's so many different ways that you can slice and dice it. And the common piece that keeps coming back is take action and walk the walk and talk the talk. And if you're going to say, hey, go and do this, right, listen and see what's truly needed. It's not one size fits all. And the piece of giving the resources that are necessary. Hey, how can I, what is my dad was in the army? He says, I've done so much with so little for so long that now I can accomplish anything with just about nothing. And it, that maybe that makes sense, but no, that's not how it should be. If this is a priority, then put your money where your mouth is, right? And put the funding in place because what's a, the McKinsey report that just came out? What are the biggest issues? People are leaving because they don't feel valued. People are leaving because they don't feel like they're part of this organization. Well, how can we actually bring the right people together in these different hyper affinity groups? So Sir Therese, if you can share a little bit more of you know, where we can go for some tips and uh, best practices on their book books out there podcasts I uh I read this really cool book recently (laughs) Uh, uh, I don't know what's going on here uh There there we go but I think you can highlight a little bit of this one where can we go to educate ourselves because you know each person learns a little bit differently
3: Yeah, yeah. So again, maybe a little biased, but there is this really amazing book called Inclusalytics, how diversity, equity, and inclusion leaders use data to drive their work. Um, No, that's one of the exciting things we did this year was release that book. um, Victoria, myself, and our co-author, Allison, who helped take our IO language and make it more relatable. Um, So I've been told it's an easy read, which is really nice, but it's a nice starter guide for people who are, like you said, starting this, right? Who, if you're just getting into this. What do I do? What direction do I go? What does some of this mean? It's, it's like a little plan for you step by step. Hey, this is the direction to go. And it gets you started. Um, and something else I'm really proud of attached to it is there's a workbook you can download from the Inclusalytics um, website that has a worksheet per chapter. So it's again, just giving you everything you need, because again, we know you don't always have the resources to add that headcount to be able to do this internally or to bring in someone externally like Mattingly Solutions to take you through the data collection and strategy, right? So that's why we created that book and the workbook to go with it is to help people just at least try and have some guidance and be able to start this work in the right direction. So that's my biased recommendation um, in how to move forward with this work. Victoria, I know you, like, you have your whole bookshelf. Do you want to give one more book recommendation?
2: I do. Um, So actually two. So one is, um, so we talk about inclusive behaviors as the actions we take to result in others people feeling valued respected seen and heard and a part of that model is what we call uh, in, like everyday inclusion or microaffirmations right and so to know what a microaffirmation is you also need to know what a microaggression is and so there's a amazing book um, all about I thought I had it here, but I don't. Um, all about um, subtle acts of inclusion, of exclusion, right? And so that's an amazing book, and it talks about microaggressions in terms of these subtle acts of exclusion. And then it gets at what are these intentional acts of inclusion, which is that microaffirmation, you know, everyday inclusion. So that's my first recommendation. And then another really important area of inclusive behaviors is allyship. So these these ongoing partnerships that we form across differences to help close those gaps, those inequities. And Dolly Chug, C-H-U-G-H, wrote an amazing book called The Person You Need to Be. And it's all about uh, what we can do as individuals to be better allies and help do this work at an individual level. So those two books strongly recommend, in addition to inclusivelytics, of course
1: so in the in the show notes we'll add a couple of other resources so uh the insert trace if you can share those over uh you'll see that in the details there and let me just pause for a second to say how much i've learned uh from the two of you over the last couple of years and whenever you really talk about like hey walk in the walk and talk in the talk you're you you've said go go read these things go learn these things before we got to step one of determining the why is Pete go get smart and that's something that a lot of people in the community uh, have really emphasized and highlighted. So I wanted to you know, congratulate you for making uh, such a you know, good impact and a positive impression. And that goes back to how we even got connected. right? Shout out to Nikki down in DC <laughs> for saying, hey, you got to talk to this rock star person who's starting their company in Pittsburgh. Um, so that's very, very helpful. Uh, more information there. This is where we are today. Let's talk about the future. So, Trace, you mentioned how we can continuously improve. V, you talked about working with the data, where we are, where we're going. Where, yeah, where, where we were, where we are, where we're going. Let's step back for a second. You can wave magic wand. What does the future of this look like in the workplace?
3: Yeah, I think one thing to step out of the workplace for just a moment and lean a little bit into what the example we gave with Baltimore Tracks is that's where I see the future going. And that's where I hope we continue to go is that collaboration, because there's so much that we learn in our little bubbles. But other organizations are learning and going through the same things and we're having it's taking so much longer to help everyone when we aren't willing to be open and share right and so that's something that we're seeing increase and I hope continues down that path of leaning on each other for support so there are other things like um snap has the act report and brings people together you know and there there are a few others that are escaping me right now oh open all is another one that's retail based there are a lot of things out there that are industry based where you can go And ask each other, hey, what are your successes? What are your failures? What should I look out for? How should we build this? Or building things together and having open source materials. That's the future. Because what I always like to say is when it comes to DEI, it's not about what the organization needs. It's what's best for the employee, and employees are everywhere, right? And so it, we can share that knowledge. Again, it's gonna help the, the experience in the workplace for more people instead of being afraid of, oh, we can't tell people where we're having issues or we can't share our secret sauce of what's going well. We, only, we wanna be the only company doing well. So that's, that's my dream for the future is more collaboration. Uh, two quick
2: future ideas. So one is gosh, everyone loves HR tech and, you know, tech this and tech that, but what we're seeing, and I feel like some of the biggest value we bring to our clients is that we don't just give them tech and run away, right? It really needs to have the the consultative aspect, the the human aspect of how we can leverage technology to then make those insights from the data, right? Um, Computers work really, really fast, but all in all, they're pretty dumb when it comes to real life applications. Uh, Humans work really slow, but we are super, we can be super smart when it comes to how we're taking data and applying it in a meaningful way. And so it's more of a a caution to, for those of you here, it's all about AI and technology, especially with DEI work that's so human-centric. We always need humans, you know, making those final calls and and leveraging uh, tech as tools, not as the solution itself. So that's the first future area I hope we go into. Um, And the second is now escaping me and I was really excited about it. <laughs> you
3: have to drop I'll it in the comments, comments later.
2: <laughs> yes, I will drop it in the comments later. It's more to come.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love where you're going with the tech as tools, not as a long-term solution and the collaboration that Sertrice uh, shared. And how can we give people the space to connect, knock down those silos, knock down those barriers. Diversity is not only what you see on the outside, but on the inside. And something you shared with me the other day was a recent, uh, you know, kind of workshop that you did with people uh, and how they look, right? height wise right? (laughs) So I thought that was a very interesting take. I'm six foot eight. And it's very different to see somebody that looks very, very tall, right? So where's the diversity of physical appearance in, in that regard? Um, ladies, thank you so much for your time today. This was absolutely fantastic. I enjoyed it, and if you could just kind of close off uh, with, you know, whenever we get to this piece of, you know, DEI and we want to take these steps, I understand. I first gotta gotta learn some, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read your book, right? So I got to educate myself. Then I can determine my why. We're gonna develop this vision, formalize, you know, communicate this plan to the team, collect the data and act. And I'm, maybe I'm not an expert. Maybe my team all looks very, very similar and they've been here for a long time. At what point should I call Mattingly Solutions? At what point do we pick up the phone and, and call a friend to say, hey, we need you to help us with this?
2: So I'm gonna relate this back to my second prediction for the future, which I just remembered. And it's that DEI right now is a very, very hot topic, right? It's the big trend. Anyone who does management consulting, HR consulting is adding this to, you know, what they're offering. Also be weary of hacks out there who say they do this work, but don't really understand it. My vision for the future, my hypothesis for the future is that the companies that continue on with their DEI work compared to those who are going to let it go when the trend, when the hot fad is over, those are the ones that are going to succeed in the 21st century. Research shows that millennials typically desire DEI, Gen Z is demanding it. And for those who get it right, and especially get it right from the onset, They are going to succeed and and outperform their competitors who do not invest in their people the way that DEI enables organizations to have that environment where everyone can thrive. Um, So that being said, it's time to call us up when you are ready to truly commit to embedding diversity, equity, inclusion into your organization, uh, we do not hard sell because this work is already so challenging in and of itself that we only, we wait until companies come to us when they are ready to do this work. It's not for the faint-hearted, right? We need to have executives on board, and so that's another uh, key differentiator as well. Whenever your CEO or chief people officer, CPA, chief human resources officer says we are ready to do this we have the budget we have the team in place or we have
3: we're ready to build that not just do it but do it it with with data that's the key you want to you want to use data in your approach but you don't have an internal people and analytics team those that's honestly our prime place to be is people who want to take a data-driven approach but they're not sure how um would love to help out
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, both of you, for your time today. We look forward to uh, seeing more of you at the summit, and we'll share some more updates in the show notes here, and look out for some more resources where we can learn, um, and maybe we'll have to put a link to where this uh, great local book is. So congratulations on what you've done. Thank you for how you're helping our community, and most importantly, thank you for educating us on what to do, how to do it, and where to go for help whenever we have those questions. Hey,
4: In a world where businesses are coming to terms with the demands of employee choice, solutions to improve workplace culture are crucial. Businesses of all sizes are doing everything they can to attract and retain top talent during this unprecedented time. Connection to the team, a sense of belonging, and a feeling of purpose rank high in the needs of today's work from anywhere society. Sound familiar? At Lattice, we understand the importance team building and positive employee-employer relationships have on the success of a workplace. Done well, top-down and peer-to-peer knowledge sharing can unlock new levels of productivity and profitability to create a culture of cohesive collaboration. Ongoing high-quality connections reduce burnout and mitigate mental health issues. More important now than ever with social isolation on the rise. Lattice is a tool to make internal employee engagement easier and much more impactful for the entire organization. Lattice is a proven secure workplace solution that is easy to implement for organizations of all sizes. So, what are you waiting for? Let's Lattice.
0: The PHRA P4 podcast was created to help build HR readers through discussions with thought and business leaders on the most critical success factor of any business its people. If you enjoy an episode, please help us spread the word by subscribing to the podcast and providing us a rating. We would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode, tag PHRA, and share it with your followers.